Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Well, welcome everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to continue our discussion with Gene Frogale, president of Annandale Millworks and Allied Systems in Winchester, Virginia, and the newly instated president of SBCA. On the last episode, Gene and I talked about his experience at BCMC, and I guess how it underscores our industry's need to embrace technology and continually strive to innovate. On this episode, Gene and I are going to look at how his company puts this into practice, particularly through their wall panel line. Gene, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Sean. Really glad to be here. Big fan of the podcast. (laughs) Well, Gene, remind me, uh, how long has your company been manufacturing wall panels? What year did you start? All right. So the company my father founded, Annandale Mill, was founded in 1952, but Mm -hmm. Allied Systems was founded in 1989. Okay. My brother Robert and I founded that company specifically for the purpose of manufacturing wall panels. So we've been in the wall panels uh, business for 31 years and... uh, it's been quite a ride, and we definitely are not doing it the way we used to. And I think the very first uh, software we had was called The Plan. And uh, I'll tell you, that first year was excruciating because uh, we did not build them right. And I was the face man in the field. And I'm telling you, it was like the framers would be coming out with pitchforks after me. And, uh, oh, boy. So, wait, right. you, you said the soft the software was called The was Plan? The Plan. And I forget who the author oh, was, but... Uh, you know, it, whether we didn't know how to do it or uh, whether it didn't work properly, but, you know, the, the, the rough openings weren't correct often. The panel heights uh, weren't correct and even the panel lengths. So what the framers would do would tear, basically tear, you know, our panels apart, rebuild them in the field. And then look me in the eye and say, I, I don't know why the company is doing this. It just takes us more time. So um, <laughs> but that all changed when we got Tommy Woods' software and uh, that, that's mm. when we really started to get it right and, and uh, make money. So it was really after the first year, uh, you know, I think around 90, maybe one, 92, it really, it really took off. So it's a bad pun, but essentially your first couple of years did not go according to oh plan. Oh my goodness. I still have to <laughs> All right, all right. Be, you know, and uh, an interesting personal, Kenny Shiflett back in the day, he was framing a lot mm. of those jobs that I was on with Richmond American and he'd give me the dirtiest looks and his crew about w- what's going on here. And he was a great um, uh, opponent of uh, wall panelization. Of course, 30 years later, uh, you know, Kenny's a successful uh, uh, component manufacturer himself. And you guys are good friends. And we're good friends. Absolutely. And it all started over some some busted up wall panels. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, so let me ask you, Gene, what would you say is the single largest driver of wall panels in your particular market right now? And I guess as you look ahead over the next few years, what do you think is something that will change about wall panels that can make them even more attractive to builders in your mind? You know, well, I think initially it was the speed of production that had these guys really um, interested in it. They had lots of sales. They had lots of backlogs. And, and they wanted to get houses up quickly and they perceived that 
panelization was was that we didn't really have in the 90s the big shortages of labor but but i think now uh moving forward that's a big problem a shortage of labor but our area has really embraced wall panelization so i would say that there's great penetration now going forward are there innovations that i think are going to even improve it yes and i and i talked about it the last time i think that there's a great market for uh insulating these walls uh you know in the factory Again, I referenced the Midwestern manufacturers. I think uh, a lot of uh, windows are getting installed in the walls. Um, I'm skeptical of that because, you know, we we have a big window business and I'm just wondering about breakage, but Hmm. I've seen that they've seemed to overcome that. I mean, so that's a big deal. You have to ship vertically. That would be a little bit different thing. Shoot, I was talking to a, a wall panelizer in Kansas who was at the show. And he's even applying the siding. I, I, there's all kinds of levels of things that remain uh, that we can do that we're not doing yet that I think lend themselves to an efficient factory offsite solution. Gene, that, that brings up a question in my mind. Do you, your wall panels that you're putting out right now today, mm-hmm. do they exactly replicate what would be framed in the field? Are you doing something slightly different because you can design them ahead of time? Uh, design the whole house, that kind of thing, and manufacture them in the plant. Are you doing anything differently? Well, I think we basically follow exactly what the plans are. I, I would say that our walls are exactly to the drawings, our headers, our openings, all those things. You know, often you'll see in the field, and I've said this a number of times. You can give one framer a set of drawings, uh, and he'll build the house, and then you give another framer that same set of uh, drawings, and the house will come out differently. So we are very accurate, I mean, to the, the eighth of an inch in getting, you know, our openings and materials right. And, of course, you know, you're, we're scrupulous to, in the way, same way that the roof trust guys are in the engineering drawings. You know, we, we got to get the headers right. And so I, I would say, yes, we're, we, we are absolutely faithful to the drawings. Well, I suppose another big part of that, too, then is uh, being faithful to the drawings. All of your rough openings are square and plumb as well, right? It makes it that much easier to, to for the installer to... There's no the, question that on a table, yeah. you can get that absolutely, uh, well, I like to say dead nuts on. And mm-hmm. uh, imagine framing, and, and I've been in conditions, we're not always cold, but, you know, 20 degrees out there and you're on a cold slab and you're with a crew and you can't get your uh, generator going and, and, and you're trying to frame up a house and you're trying to get it squared and you're laying it out on a, a concrete slab. Mm, I don't think so. So what you're saying, though, Gene, is the wall panels that you're putting out, they're solid. They're solid wall panels, but they're, you know, they can be framed in the field. It's not like you're, you're building some newfangled thing that no installer in the field has ever seen. No, but I think there's an efficiency to it that right. really is, is, uh, can't, can't be achieved. Let me just give you the sheathing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so we sheath all our walls. They don't do it then in Texas. But even if you have a two-story house um, or a three-story townhouse, and you're stick building it. Now you're putting that sheathing on uh, and you're going up three stories. I don't care if you're on a ladder or even if you're on a man lift. I mean, that's a little different operation and that takes a little bit of time. And that's a little safety concern, too. So what you're saying is the, the field labor in your market has come to greatly appreciate panelization, wall panelization. I think we definitely have framers now that have come to love panels. Initially, they didn't because they thought that that was a direct threat on their labor hours. But, you know, and I think if there's a downturn and you're not building very many houses, then there's a tendency for the field crews to want to 
you know, attenuate the time that they're working so that they can spread it out. And stick building is, is kind of a, I guess, you know, way of doing that. But if you're behind in production and you have a big backlog, which is the case that we're in right now, um, they can do more houses, in essence, make more money. So that's been a hard lesson for them to learn. But I think most of them have, have learned that. I think that points a little bit to uh, the NFC and National Framing Council, where a lot of the production and multifamily framers have come around. I, and, and I give Kenny Shiflett as an example, but there are many others. So, uh, Gene, when you and I were talking about BCMC and sort of technology and all those kinds of things, you brought up the airline industry um, as, as a good industry for the component manufacturing industry to sort of look at. Can you talk about uh, the parallels you see in the lesson you think other component manufacturers should learn and take away from that comparison? Well, I love the story of the Wright brothers and it's a quintessential American story, but you know, really there's wherever there's an inventor there, there. Uh, but you know, this is not, you know, the airplane industry wasn't born out of this uh, think tank or McKenzie study or, you know, uh, global forum. It was these two brothers, Orville and Wilfer, in their basement, you know, who had this vision. And, you know, they were very scientific, very bright. And, and their father, to his credit, was allowing them to tinker around. They were, you know, bicycle makers. But, you know, um, they ended up figuring out, uh, you know, how, how, how to build an airplane. And uh, it's just a fascinating story for anybody who wants to, you know, uh, have a good read, but, but so our industry is like it because let's face it, it was invented by the steel plate that connects wood uh, members. And now we have a six, $7 billion industry around roof presses and components. Of course, you compare it to the airline industry, you know, uh, the whole aerospace, you know, rocket ships in the moon. So someone told me home building, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, <laughs> not yet. it's harder than rocket science. <laughs> And uh, I have to laugh because, uh, you know, there's there's some parts of it that, that are true. But, gosh, you know, um, we have room to grow. We, we're the pioneers of the offsite. We talked about the Katera phenomenon a couple of years ago where I think software in Silicon Valley met and embraced this vision. And uh, they, they had the right idea. But I, I think that I'm not sure where they went wrong on that. But we we can pick up the mantle of that because we are the inventors of it. We're, we're the first offset guys. And, uh, so where, where does that lead? Does that, you know, lead to houses that are almost completely built in factories and then assembled uh, in the field uh, that are both custom and, you know, extremely efficient and, and, uh, affordable. Yeah. I think, uh, I think we're headed that way. I think some of the larger builders, Toll Brothers is a good example we talked in the other podcast about Van Meter, and that's a company probably that uh, is at the forefront of it right here in our area. And we can fly to the moon and modernize and revolutionize our industry. Well, Gina, I think one of the things you're pointing out, particularly you know, comparing to the airline industry, I mean, the, the airline industry didn't stop with buy wings, right? It didn't stop with prop engines, and it, it hasn't stopped even with, as you point out, aerospace. It's like now we have private enterprise flying Captain Kirk into space. It's, um, wow. you know, th those things are constantly evolving. And I, I feel like that comparison is a fair one from the perspective of they, they never sat pat and they are always constantly evolving. 
And that opportunity exists for our industry too, right? It's just as you pointed out with your wall panels, it's like, well, you could just keep on putting out the same wall panels every year. And because of the demand, uh, your, your builders will take them happily. But, you know, you pointed out you're, you're thinking about foam, you're thinking about, um, whether it's MEP installation, whether it's installing windows, whether it's installing siding, uh, you know, interior sheathing, like all those those sort of opportunities. There's lots of stuff still to be figured out. And if you're one of those people that's continually pushing it, at some point you will figure it out, right? And come up with an economical solution. I think you're absolutely right. I think we have to be on guard. I think we have to be aware. I think technology is an important tool. I think we have to be wary because just because I'm a successful wall panel manufacturer today, I mean, I hate to bring the example of the Kodak up, but, you know, sometimes we get satisfied with where we're at. Of course, when I grew up, Kodak was the, you know, be all and end all of photography. Digital photography came along and for whatever reason, they didn't embrace it or didn't think it was going to be something that was going to be important. They're not even around anymore. So that's one of those cautionary tales where I think you have your your eyes wide open. And again, I would say not all technology is going to win the day, but uh, we, we have to look for what's what works. And uh, even in the area of robotics, I've seen that, you know, they've got uh, a little bit more down to earth. And some of the applications that I'm looking at in the spray foam area are starting to make a little bit more more sense and they're starting to come into penciling out on a financial pro forma so yeah you better be wide open and you better be aware of the new stuff coming on or you know you might not be in business yeah well okay let's let's continue on with that and let's end this podcast by looking at that with your SPCA president hat on. You know, if this goal is to embrace technology and and to have all component manufacturers sort of striving to continually innovate in order to remain relevant and to take on more market share, um, how can SPCA help in that particular endeavor in your mind? Well, my number one thing would be the BCMC show, the way we bring together all the major suppliers, vendors. The technology on display at uh, Omaha this year was just unbelievable. And just, you know, name a few, uh, I went to the House of Design and saw their robotics uh, virtual floor truss plant. You know, it's starting to look kind of viable, whereas a couple of years ago, it was just Star Trek and Beam Me Up, Scotty. But, you know, the other vendors were there. I saw a great 3D presentation and with the MyTech guys and they had a great, their, their Sapphire 3D stuff is getting really more sophisticated every every year. Um, then, you know, the Alpine guys had this Stitcher program that takes your, you know, 2D plans and turns them into a pretty robust bid where, you know, you don't have the same time frame that you have. It helps in an economy like today when you have to get things turned around quickly. I think Eagle had a great, you know, wall panel uh, program that I looked at, so... Just in this short, short span of three hours, the show provides you with just a garden of technology options that to look at. And where where in the world can you have that except at the BCMC show? But, but BCMC does more than that. I mean, SBCA does more than that. I mean, we our programs, our quarterly meetings offer opportunities to see and meet other CMs around the country that are using the technology. I'll just point to my relationship with the Texas and the TMAC guys. And 
I've been, been down there a number of years. And just to mention a few, Eric James or Jack Dermer, those guys, you know, they'll take you in their plant and, and they'll show you what they're doing. In fact, Eric said he'd come up and, and help me uh, install a, uh, a new saw we bought. So that's what you get as a member. And I'm, I'm sure how to quantify that. Right. Well, I suppose on top of that, too, there's this new digital QC program you're, we're putting out. Uh, that's, that's certainly another way to get component manufacturers to embrace a new way uh, of doing something that they need to be doing day in and day out, but using some the latest technology to do it, right? Absolutely. And we're a beta site there. And I check in with the guys every Monday on that and they love it. We can test more trusses and that means higher quality level. I think that, you know, the guys that are on the, uh, you know, on the line there and they see us coming, they, they want to make sure they have, you know, the right, the material and they have the right placement of the, of the plate. And it's just going to be, and I, you know, I was saying in my address that I wanted it this year. I don't want to up the ante on, on this, but I'm, I'm hoping that maybe end of first quarter, we, we have this, but uh, you know, I think that'll be a game changer and a great example how technology in the area of quality control makes it better. Excellent. Well, Gene, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Well, I'm delighted to be here. I hope that my comments make sense to the podcast world out there. You guys do a great job with this. And again, I'm a super fan. Well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.